Hello and welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relived the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our hallowed golden envelope. But we'll start by introducing ourselves. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Steve and I'm joined as ever by Jim. All right, Jim, have you managed to calm down yet after last week's almost unbelievable rollover draw? Do you know what? I've, I've been struggling with it, to be honest. I thought <laughs> I've been struggling because, you know, WCW, they've, they've toiled and toiled and toiled with, with weeks of garbage. And then, <laughs> and then last week, they did a pretty decent job of things. They and, did. With a few exceptions. And... and, and they still couldn't. They couldn't get that that equalising yeah, equalising no. victory, and yeah, another draw. No, just did not see it coming. No, me neither. Absolutely not. Let's see. Uh, let's see what we're gonna put together this week, then. Eh? Exactly. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at TMN Scores. That's at TMN Scores. The scores on the Monday Night Doors, by the way, remain two one to Vince McMahon after that draw. So let's see what happens this week. Come again, Jim. You've been on tenterhooks all week to hear a roundup of cultural reference points to properly place you in history. Well, I don't blame you. Let's set the scene. The date is the 16th of October, 1995. This week, Apollo 13 claimed a fourth consecutive week atop the UK box office charts. Wallace and Gromit, A Grand Day Out, came out on home video. (laughs) What What a film. And in cricket, batting legend Brian Lara fired his West Indies team to one-day international victory against Sri Lanka with a whopping 168. Big week, then, eh? <laughs> There's nothing happening. Right? <laughs> I think a few more things of note come up next week, so stay tuned. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right, so now we know what we're watching at the picks, what we're watching at home, and who's lighting up the sporting world. Let's see how Vince and Eric are going to compete with that lot. There'll be morticians in vengeful rages, confetti cannon stealing Diamond Dallas pages, but no Christian cages. Let's get cracking! We head to the Albany Civic Centre in Albany, Georgia for WCW Monday Nitro, live on TNT. Eric Bischoff gives us a rundown of the show and says we'll find out tonight if we'll see everybody's favourite mediator, Sting, teaming up with Ric Flair to take on Arn Anderson and Flying Brian. Can't wait. The camera pans and tilts down to our three announcers, Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Steve Mongo McMichael, and fucking hell, we're straight in on a close-up of Pepe the Dog, who has a shit kind of spacesuit alien costume on this week. Yeah. <laughs> Mongo calls him Captain Love Dog. I'm out. I almost stopped it there and then. <laughs> I missed that. Captain Love Dog. And explains that he's flown in from Dogtron to see some out oh, of... Oh, my days. Honestly. Good job, I missed this. I turned it off. I, well, I very nearly did. To see some out-of-this-world action tonight, right? Why would, why would he make the trip, right? If he's supposedly from out of this world, <laughs> why has he come here to watch out-of-this-world action? He'd stay wherever he was if he wanted... Surely, if he was coming here, he'd want, like, typical, you know, what's-this-world-style wrestling <laughs> if he was a space tourist. Come on. No, very true, very true. Blood pressure doesn't need me picking apart Mongo's shit crack, does it? Heenan gets us back on track saying that it's been half a decade since Sting and Flair last teamed up. So, can they trust each other? The match was made on WCW Pro the other day, where we see a heavily edited promo uh, with Sting, um, who's cautioning Flair against turning on him. Back to the arena and we hear a bike revving, followed by primary school disco music. 
which really confused me, and it apparently heralded the arrival of Diamond Dallas Page, the TV champ, Jim. He's here on the Monday Night Scores. And the TV title's here as well. And the no TV less. title, finally. On TV. On TV. <laughs> Can you believe it? Page is accompanied by his glamorous assistant, Diamond Doll. In stark contrast to Diamond Doll's dark blue silk evening dress, DDP is sporting a sparkly silver number, Jim, with black pattern trench coat, something akin to the sort of thing that Macho Man would wear on chillier days. And a matching waistcoat, thin oval Morpheus from the Matrix shades and a lime green, black and purple spandex vest and tights combo with a TV title belt round his waist. We cut to a terrible promo where Johnny B-Bad knockout punches Page after he learns Page cost him a shot at the US title. He, he kind of held the pose, didn't he, after he hit, he hit, he hit him with a left hook and <laughs> yeah. then he kind of held the pose like, like it was some kind of beautiful golf swing. Yeah, he did. He, he, <laughs> you know, he creamed well it 300 yards right down the fairway <laughs> and he, he just held that pose. It looked really shit. It looked awful. And worse, Bad says, BAM! As he comically hits Paige. He says it. He makes that sound with his mouth. Like he's doing his own sound effects. Crazy. Out comes Bads to some popping pyro, some rocking 50s soundtrack and a confetti cannon. He then proceeds to throw frisbees out of the ring into the crowd. Where the hell did they come from? As Paige clocks Bads straight away with the belt for a quick knockout from behind before loved the match has even started. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Then DDP steals Bads' confetti cannon, runs around the ring celebrating with it before <laughs> dropping on top of the KO Bad and counting the pin himself as the ref refuses to start proceedings, given that Bad is now unconscious. The diamond Amazing. doll looks on aghast. She must have a thing for Freddie Mercury. Bang goes the confetti cannon. DDP DQ. Bad gets the win and Bischoff calls Paige human trash. <laughs> we fade out to a break with a replay and a shot of Diamond Doll visibly upset on the apron, to which Bobby mockingly says, Oh He does fucking lever him, doesn't he? As well, he really does. That belt back he, of the head. Bang. He really clocks him and too fucking right. Cannot stand Johnny B. Bad. I'm instantly bored by him. And, well, oh, he gets what he deserves and he's turned his back on his opponent in there. And uh, <laughs> DDP has, has treated him. Treated him with the... Uh... He's given the respect he deserves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, too right. We get a Halloween Havoc promo again. The card is still subject to change, Jim. The next match is Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. It's Benoit's debut on Monday Nitro, and therefore the first time we've properly covered him on the Monday Night Scores. We just thought we'd take this opportunity to say that we'll give our honest feedback on Benoit's matches, but that in doing so, we obviously don't in any way, shape or form wish to ignore or play down the tragic events we're all very aware of. Right now, back to the action. We're back in the arena, and out first is Eddie. But what's this? He's no longer being heralded to the ring with cheesy, lazy mariachi music because he's Mexican, but instead he's got some generic soft rock. Fantastic, what an upgrade. He's sporting a red and white sequin jacket and matching vest and tights. Eddie seems pumped. He's positively bouncing his way to the ring while shouting into the camera, I am with you, Eddie. Next up is opponent, the WCW Monday Nitro debut for Chris Benoit. He enters to slightly more modern-sounding generic metal riffing and is wearing white boots, blue tights and a white trim and white star on the arse, along with a straight-from-the-80s mullet. He looks to be in incredible shape, though, as does Eddie Welber, right? <laughs> star of the arse has got me. Is he still, why did he have it? What is it, what is it about? <laughs> anyway... We kick off with a lock-up, break apart, lock-up again, and Benoit arm-drags Eddie crisply. The two then size each other up, and Eddie adjusts his tights. Has the feeling of a big match-up this, helped by Heenan building Benoit up on the debut expertly too. Side headlock from Eddie, who's pushed out of it, running into the ropes, and then shoulder tackles Benoit to the ground. We then get an absolutely lovely exchange from the pair of them, who's running leapfrogs, monkey-flipped counter-dives, and a powerbomb attempt reversal into a wrist-lock takedown. Happens so fast, Bischoff on comms can't keep up, and I don't blame him. 
With both wrists locked, Benoit frees himself by bridging his back, forcing Eddie up to try and pin him back down. In doing so, gives Benoit the chance to spring both up, which he then converts into a head-scissors takeover. Eddie gets up, charges Benoit, who dodges him like a matador, but Eddie bounces off the ropes and hits the Canadian with a head-scissors takedown of his own. Looked amazing as he twisted his legs as he did it, sending Benoit off to the side and out of the ring. Can I just uh, jump in to say... Please uh, do. I don't think it's got enough love two weeks ago in Eddie Guerrero's uh, fantastic match with, with Dean Malenko, but mm. Guerrero's <clears throat> Tash, I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> I, honestly, and the, the only person I've seen so far with a tash mullet combo that I thought suited it. He's a suave motherfucker. I think that is superb stuff from Eddie Guerrero. That. Should have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, didn't. I'm not going to miss the opportunity this time. <laughs> I don't blame you. Thank you for pointing that. <laughs> Guerrero sees an opportunity and runs the ropes to set up a dive to the outside through the second and top ropes, but Benoit's seen him and moves, which Eddie clocks at the last possible second and aborts by pivoting to send his legs through the ropes instead first and then hooking his arms to stop himself as if he's doing a 619. Eddie sells this by acting that he's out of control and flails around on the ropes. All looked fantastic, and all of this in about half a second. Brilliant. It's really good in how quick they do everything, and everything's kind of uh, coordinated and meaningful at the same time. They're just doing things for the sake of it. Like everything that they do seems to have a, have a purpose. It's not just doing a big move for the sake of doing a big move. Absolutely, I mean? it's dead yeah, right. It's, good. it's really it, very good. And it also, in in terms of the sequences, how they can just how they can their brains can keep up with doing one or the other to keep pace and know where they're going with it. It's phenomenal. It Absolutely is. phenomenal. Absolutely superb. Eddie heads up top and flies with an absolutely massive flying crossbody to Benoit on the outside. Beautiful form from Eddie too. He really throws his arms and legs back as he takes flight. Just look gorgeous. Eddie goes to suplex Benoit back into the ring, but it's reversed in mid-flight as the man from Calgary grabs Eddie from behind and teases a German suplex. But Eddie reverses this and slides into a side headlock. Benoit reverses that with a side headlock suplex, but as they're so close to the ropes, it sends both lads up and over the top rope and back to the outside again. Eddie's up first and sends Benoit headfirst into the ring post and follows it up instantly with a powerful forearm from behind. Both of these moves sounded amazing as Benoit smashed the ring post with his arm as he hit, proper sonorous, and then Eddie did the same as he landed the forearm on Benoit and it's all picked up on the camera mic at ringside. Brilliant. This time Benoit's up first and Eddie's hurt his left elbow on the ring post as he delivered that forearm. He rolls Guerrero back into the ring before a hammerlock back suplex with huge elevation. Really nice. An Irish whip sends Eddie hard into the corner, sternum first, and as he bounces back, he's met with a rapid-fire dropkick, sending him back to the canvas and landing on his injured arm again. Benoit demands that Eddie gets back up to his feet, which gets good heat from the crowd. The Canadian then follows it up with a lovely hammerlock northern light suplex with a lovely arc. Stomps to the head, and Eddie's in danger. A snap suplex confirms it. But he well, the comms didn't really do much of a job of um, no, getting didn't. over what a what a heel Benoit was being. They missed all of this stuff when he was actually being heelish in the ring, didn't they? They didn't didn't pick it up at all. You're dead right. No, no, no mention really. But here comes the change. Eddie's sent into the ropes and counters a tilt-a-whirl into an arm drag, then springboards backwards off the second rope and into a massive swinging DDT that throws Benoit rolling into the bottom rope as the crowd pop. Eddie's still selling the arm and goes for a cover, but Benoit's leg gets rope break after two. A powerful short clothesline from Benoit floors Eddie afterwards. We get another hammerlock back suplex from Benoit, but no, Eddie's reversed it into a crossbody and gets a quick one count. Bischoff says, we're coming to you live tonight, the only live action... Tonight, if you are into wrestling, take that. Have you Pete. noticed how he says live, Bishop? <laughs> Go on. It's always, it's always like, 
live. There's always a kind of added syllable in there. There's always an extra, you know. <laughs> Not me, I've missed that. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, just, I will listen out for that next. That's brilliant. He didn't just say live. He no. didn't just say it's live. <laughs> he, 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 adds, he adds a bit more to it. He adds another syllable. In classic bishop fashion. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> Amazing. A wristlock from Benoit slows things down and the crowd are a bit flat now. Monkey flip attempt by Eddie, nothing doing, but he pops up and balances onto the top rope before leaping off to deliver another cracking head scissors. Big side suplex from Eddie. Bischoff says he's now in control. Bobby Heen reminds him that his arm is still damaged and he can't win a match with one arm. Great stuff, Bobby. Brilliant suplex from Eddie. And he heads up top. Here comes another frog splash. And he's hit it. No, Benoit brings up their knees at the last second to counter. And then a devastating powerbomb from Savage. Benoit. Bounces Eddie's head off the canvas. Looked unbelievable. And the comms team Huge rightfully go ballistic. Wasn't it just? I mean, just the head pinged off the canvas. One, two, kick out. How was that not the finish? That looked so fucking painful. Yeah, bear in mind what the finish was. I would, uh, yeah, <laughs> surprised this wasn't. <laughs> Indeed. Full Nelson belly to back suplex from Benoit into the pin, and he wins on debut. What a match! But a little bit of an anticlimax that after the epic powerbomb that hundred percent should have been it. Yeah, it was obviously a much bigger move. I don't know. I, I kind of like the fact that. Um, I don't know, get him over some kind of technical specialist who can That's get a true. pin out yeah, of anything, nice. as opposed to um, you know having one you know huge unique move, and then but then like you say, having seen this kind of catastrophic powerbomb, and then following up, he he, he couldn't get the pin off a catastrophic powerbomb, but he could from the uh, you know the, the it was a bit strange seeing it from the seeing, yeah, the seeing the full Nelson get the pin afterwards. Yeah, absolutely agree. We get a replay of the highlight in slow-mo for the big Eddie crossbody to the outside. Uh, Heenan quips, look at this, you don't need a play-by-play man here, you need an air traffic controller. Lovely again, Bobby. We're back to comms and Bischoff understands something again, Jim. He does, doesn't he? Always understand. <laughs> it's time. It's that the giant is here. And it's time for Mean Gene. Well, a wrestler, a WCW wrestler is at the, uh, uh, the WCW show. I don't know how he's coming to understand these things, Jim, but he's mm. shocked by it and we apparently should be too. He's very it's, insightful. Very insightful. He, he, isn't he just? It's time for Mean Gene to interview the giant and the trident holder himself, the Taskmaster. We head to the ring where Mean Gene plugs the WCW hotline where he is a proper dig at the WWF. He He's says, got some salacious gossip for us, hasn't he, he Mean Gene? Does. You've he got to ring up. Here's some late-breaking news yet that you've got to pay $1.49 a minute for. <laughs> One of the top... It's juicy, it's juicy. <laughs> well, it is, in fairness. He says that one of the top officials in the WWF is history and that one of their top stars was involved in an altercation with a fan in the parking lot and came out second best. Well... If only, if only you could ring that number now, eh? I know. There's there's literally no way to find out what happened unless we wait for <laughs> Raw coming up in about half an hour's time. I thought it was a bit shit of him to be charging this fucking thing, though. Do you not think, you know, not only talking about this stuff, this this actual event on Nitro is a bit, you know, classless at the best of times, but then to charge $1.49 a minute to hear more. What? To hear some dirt about what's going on at the other company. Yeah. I feel it's a bit, yeah, like, um, I don't kind of, kind of give us some news about what's going on in WCW. If you were a fan of WCW, wouldn't you want to hear about stuff that's going on in WCW exactly. as opposed to uh, some, some, an official at WWF who's getting sacked? I, mean, <laughs> I know. Yeah. How you mean, Gene? You're better than this. You're better I, than this, mean, Gene. I agree, and I thought he was too. Well, if they weren't before, Jim, the gloves are going to be well and truly off now on the Monday Night Wars. Enter the Taskmaster and the Giant to creepy Halloween music. Booze all around. Gene plugs Halloween Havoc, which is less than two weeks away now, specifically Giant's monster truck match. No way can this live up to all the hype. 
Giant with long hair and a beefy goatee stands in his Andre-style black singlet next to Mean Gene. He is fully two and a half feet taller than Oakland. It's uh, insane seeing him next to each other. Gene and Sullivan, uh, their, their heads are uh, chest, very much chest height. Uh, the solar plexus, as we would, uh, <laughs> as, as we should use, given the, the spot we're talking about. But yeah, he is fucking big. It's remarkable seeing them next to each other. It really, really is. The Taskmaster tells us um, he's evil. Uh, in a dull, knew, monotone promo. From uh, the day he was born, he was the personification <laughs> of evil. So he said, the day he was born, he, 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 could, he, he, he was perceptive enough to realise he was evil. Uh, this is a terrible promo. And fresh from his promotion to Channel 4, Jim, Taskmaster tells us Hogan has an evil side too. This is dross. We get a picture-in-picture replay of the Tash shaving incident, which is actually, to be honest, a blessed relief from this promo. Even though I'm seeing it here for the umpteenth time, I'm still just giving me something else to watch than, than Taskmaster droning on. We go over to the cartoon breathy giant who absolutely punctuates the sheer silliness of the whole thing. He says, Hogan, when we lock up bumper to bumper, grill to grill, truck to truck, I'm going to push you all over that roof. I mean, this sounds like playground stuff. It's terrible. <laughs> End this now. We get a Halloween Havoc promo that's new, Jim. Well, sort of. We're back to comms. We've got a graphic plugging the Hogan giant thing with a dark, creepy Tim Burton Halloween orchestral music bed instead of the cheesy sort of chugga-chugga metal riffing of the one advert we've had umpteen times in recent weeks. At least it's something new. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, true, true. The music continues with a thunderclap, and just as it happens, the graphics card changes to plug the match up next, and the thunderclap signals the arrival of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh. <laughs> Finally something to be genuinely scared about. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, production truck. He does look properly scary. Mouth agape, thumb up in the air, and two by four over his shoulder. There's Ming the Merciless in the background, his opponent as well this time, but no wild boar head for him on this occasion. But with Hacksaw on screen, Jim, I don't think we need it. They're up next. Fuck's sake, it's Disco Inferno again. Heenan loves this music and again almost saves it. Every time I groan, Bobby does claw me back a little bit with his, I love this music. The host with a sound guy that still haven't done anything about the sound guy. You think it's Bischoff, right? He should have gone last week, he said, right. This is the second week in a row now. <laughs> Disciplinary You do this mate. one more time, you are fired. Your ass is fired. <laughs> this is it. Clearly hasn't done anything about it. And Bishop no. is the first one complaining. He's, he's, he's literally right. the first one complaining. He's dead right, and he's in charge. He, 100%, it makes no sense. He should, you're dead right. He should have his written warning by now. This is, this is absurd. He should have had it weeks ago, not he, by now. For <laughs> three weeks in a row, he's gone, he's gone, he's hijacked the show. The sound guy. <laughs> oh, and here he is dancing shit crack as of a mercifully... Meng saves us from this ignominy, and once again, Inferno just buggers off without incident as he arrives. Meng enters with a black cape that extends over his head into supervillain mask with gold sparkly glasses and black tights. I bloody love Meng. Honestly, and he's brilliant, right? As he enters, he's interrupted, Jim, by the theme from Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, no, wait. No, it's apparently a song called The Washington Post or The Washington Post March. And it's a song commissioned for the newspaper's Essay Contest Award Ceremony in 1889. Don't say I don't teach anything, Jim. I believe Hacksaw has it to make him sound super American, apple pie and high school marching bands and all that. Anyway, out he comes with his American flag and his two-by-four, does Hacksaw. Um, Heenan calls him a 300-pound termite. I don't understand why, but I'm, uh, if he's slagging him off, I'm all right with it. Meng jumps Hacksaw as he's in the corner, 
mugging it to the crowd brilliant go on Meng <laughs> totally on Meng's idea yeah, I'm, and, up, I'm up in the front room go and, on Meng <laughs> and Duggan instantly starts with this super over the top dazed stomp around the ring cartoonish as fuck looks terrible and OTT leaping into the corner when he's whipped there by Meng Meng is great conversely a lovely leaping crossbody from the second turnbuckle that Hacksaw ducks uh, it looks cracking but Hacksaw then looks corny as anything as he's like Whoa! like it's just it's all cartoony as anything it look, looks even dafter next to Meng who looks brilliant a super kick from Meng spiked thumb to the sitting Hacksaw's neck and Hacksaw taps giving Meng the win and two right deadly that spike is deadly what a wrestler thank you for putting us out of, the, of our Hacksaw misery Meng we get another Tim Burton Halloween Havoc promo, Jim, shorter this oh, time. Oh, man. But come on, lads, honestly. <laughs> it's all we've got. I'm going to be fucking sick of it by the time it arrives. And we cut to a monochrome Hulk Hogan promo in front of a monochrome green screen background with Hulk's logo on it. He's there with belt holder and best friend and confident who must keep stum Jimmy Hart. <laughs> He's, in he's all... added another title to, hasn't he? So he's, <laughs> he's, he's introduced as best friend, confidant, and, then, and then now he's guard, guarder of the WCW title. He's, I know, guarder. It's like King Jong-un, he gets another fucking Marvel <laughs> boast. Decorated on it every yeah. decoration every time. Hulk's still in all black and still sporting his neck brace. We get a standard Hogan promo like we always get, except he started to use the phrase Hulkamanioids. Hulkamanioids? Hulkamanioids. So is he... He's, he's ditched Hogamaniacs. For now, apparently, yes. No idea why. Bit of a play on a hemorrhoids, maybe? <laughs> Could be, yeah. He, oh. he has turned ill. Yes. Hogan's fans hanging out with us. <laughs> oh, clever. Like it. There maybe. you go. Very good. Uh, and Hulk tells us that because of his black attire, everybody knows that the evil inside him is real. Fucking hell. He's like a, he's like a fucking emo teenager, isn't he? <laughs> he then calls himself Don Corleone. I bloody bet WCW is run like a fucking mafia at this stage. Anyway, has, has this not been an admission though? An admission that the Taskmaster has won if he if he's unleashing this evil inside of him. It's true. Isn't this, isn't this the Taskmaster's great scheme? And and he's admitting the evil inside him is real. He's he's there. He's true? openly admitting it. Do you know what I mean? He's oh well, this, this could get us out of the fucking monstrosity of the monster truck match. Well, it needs to happen. Get him. Happen. <laughs> if only we'd been there at the time. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. Awful. Hook then says, uh, Giant tried to crack his back. That was nice of him. Maybe I've gotten Giant all wrong. <laughs> Chiropractor. <laughs> oh, no, he meant neck. He meant neck, as he then goes on to say. Hulk throws to Jimmy Hart. Oh, he's allowed to speak now, is he? Hart says he's worried as Hulk breathes so heavily, it sounds like he's doing something he shouldn't be on TV. Hands where I can see him, Hulk. Hart's instantly told to shut up by Hulk, telling him he needs to stay out of this. Well, why did you ask him? <laughs> I'm not sure Hulk's had a best friend before, Jim. No, I just know I do. He, doesn't, he, doesn't. he also, every time, he also always refers to him as Jimmy Hart. So if he was his best friend, it would be yeah. Jimmy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or, or it'd be Harty. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, any, any, you know, any kind of name he had for him. Jimmy Hart, but full name every, every time. time. Jimmy Hart, your turn to speak, Jimmy Hart. No, Jimmy Hart, you shut up, Jimmy Hart. You let me talk now, Jimmy Hart. It's my turn now, Jimmy Hart. Restore that belt, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Hulk says the Bigfoot people are struggling to get it built in time. Not the monster truck, that is. Yeah, he meant crafting it, didn't he? Yeah, I know he did. How much did he fuck this up? Crack this back, the giant. He hadn't done that. He hasn't yeah. done, he's not a chiropractor. He's yeah. trying to kill you. And then he's done this. 
he's all out of kilter now. He's dressed in black, Jim. I think that's I think that's the main issue here. Do you miss the tash? Is there the loss of the tash? <laughs> it's the tash. Sorry, you're right. It is the Samson tash. You were right last you week. Think? Best prop in the world, stash. <laughs> Oh, anyway, enough of that gubbins. Back in the arena, and here come Arn Anderson and Flying Brian to take on Ric Flair and Sting in tag team action. If the Stinger turns up, that is. Arn's getting a televised entrance this week, Jim, about bloody time, having not been given one last week for the half a cage match. The barrel-chested Arn's clad in black trunks and boots with white wrist tape and short hair with a short beard. Pillman's sporting slick back hair, red tights with tassels and black boots. Their entrances are interrupted by the shit havoc ad again. Not the Tim Burton one this time, but we're back to the cheesy one for the fucking 15th time. Stop it, honestly. Enter Flair. Rick's got a purpley and silver sparkly robe on as he hops into the ring and heels start to circle him, held back by the ref. The bell goes, where's Sting? He's not come out. Heenan says that he hasn't seen him in the building, so we've got a handicap match. Arn heads to the apron as Pillman kicks us off as the legal man. Lock up and some big chops from Flying Brian before Flair reverses and delivers some even bigger backhand chops of his own to the crowd's wooing delight. An eye poke from Pillman lets him escape and then whip Flair into the opposite corner where Arn attacks from the apron. Flair expertly attacks Brian, then chops Arn without missing a beat. All looks as slick as Pillman's hair cracking stuff. Another chop sends Arn to the floor, who then slides into the ring only to be held back by the ref as Flair struts to celebrate having the better of the opening exchanges. Crowd love it. Woos all round. We go again now that Brian's composed himself. Kicks to the gut and Flair's sent outside where Arn attacks. The nature boy sees him off with a vicious chop and throws the apron-based pillman face-first into the barricade. Back in the ring and Flair struts again and again as the heels regroup and Arn tags in to have a go. We want Sting chance the crowd. Doesn't look like Flair needs him at present. He's dominating this bit. Yeah, it's just fucking quality this to be Oh, it was lovely. Superb stuff. Backbody drop is countered with a driving elbow from Arn. He then goes to drop the knee to the prone Flair's face, but Rick sees it coming and grabs it, trips Arn's standing leg and tries to lock in the figure four. He's got it, but here comes Brian off the top rope. But Flair's seen him too and rolls out the way and then applies the hole to Brian. But Arn breaks it up with an eye rake. Flair's whipped into the corner, up and over the apron, chops Pillman off the apron. <laughs> See, I've got a typo on my notes here and put... To apron like I've gone Yorkshire which is just throwing me <laughs> off tapering <laughs> chops off Pillman tapering. off tapering get off tapering Brian get off tapering fucking hell chops Pillman off the apron to the outside up goes Flair flying double axe handle to Arn inside the ring Arn whips Flair into the Pillman corner he's back up now who wheel kicks him in the back allowing Arn to drop Flair with the spine buster Enter the Stinger in red Titan. Oh, don't they just? He's got red Titan matching face paint and he's up on the corner asking for the tag. He's reaching in for that hot tag. Pillman clocks Sting on the outside, bringing him in as the ref tries to send him back out, allowing the heels to work Flair over in the opposite corner. Brilliant. I thought around this point it dawned on me. I mean, we've watched yeah. Pillman for a couple of weeks, but I don't mm. know what it was something about this match where it, it hit me that. Pillman, mm. he's reminded me a lot of a uh, of a young Pavel Nedved here. I mean, this this is this is prime <laughs> time for a with Pavel Nedved starting his ascendancy and Pillman with his uh, his flowing flowing blonde locks. I'm thinking, hey, that is a know, cracking is a, cracking comparison. That how have we not seen that before? Flair and Brian resurrect the chop off spot from earlier, 
big back body drop lands flair but he dodges a drop kick by grabbing the top rope and then gets the hot tag to bring in the stinger Sting cleans house, including a face buster that Arn supercells. Stinger splashes to Arn, then Brian, then Arn, then Brian, and Sting is dominating. Double Irish whip, Sting counters with a double clothesline, but Brian ducks his, don't think he was supposed to. So Sting has to wheel back round and single clothesline him. Pillman heads up top as Arn's sent to the outside, and Sting then throws Brian sack first onto the top rope. Both heels in a pile on the outside and up gets Flair. And what? Looks like the ref's holding his hands aloft to tell Nature Boy and the Stinger that they've won. They have won. The the heels have been counted out and the ref calls for the bell. Why did it look so bizarre? Well, because comms didn't even clock it. They didn't tell us what was going on, so we're left going, eh? Comms didn't clock it, and there was no camera angle either, was there, to show that they'd done one. There There was no, like, yeah, no shot of them leaving. So, yeah, next thing, you know... We're informed after the arms are, arms are raised and the celebrations are undertaken that, um, yeah, Pavel Pillman and Arn have uh, <laughs> fucked off. Arn's cursing his luck, dismayed as they are. But the nice thing was, had this been narrated properly by comms, we would have then, you know, had a really nice ending to this story because this absolutely is not a satisfying end to the fuse. There is more to come from this lot yet, which is the whole point. And actually, clocked properly by the production staff and comms, this would have been great. As such... Did feel a little, it, yeah, felt a little bit weird. flat in it, yeah. We're back, and Mean Gene's in the ring with the victors, and he tells us that these two have agreed to team up to face Pillman and Anderson at Halloween Havoc in less than two weeks' time. That's why we didn't get a clean finish. Abject heel Mean Gene's trying to drive a wedge between the two instantly, telling Sting that there was a clear reluctance on his part to get involved here. All right, Gene, you just come and won the flipping day for Flairy. What are you doing getting it in his grill for? God... Sting says that Flair showed real heart and that he thinks that he's shooting straight with the Stinger and now that's why they've properly teamed up. Flair is overjoyed to hear this and says, let's hear it for the Stinger, woo, into the mic. And the crowd pops massively as Bobby Heenan tells us that he's getting nauseous. And with that, we're back to the comms team who send us out. that was the October the 16th edition of WCW Monday Nitro. And now for our builders and killers. Jim, what were your ratings, builders? Uh, top spot for me, builder number one, is DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Nice. I thought something new, and I liked it a lot. Uh, the spot itself wasn't ridiculous. You could buy everything that was going on. Yeah, DDP, you, could, you could. DDP had beef with Bad from um, Hold the Post Knockout Punch yes, from a yep. couple of weeks back that yep. the show does. He didn't obviously, yeah, I can imagine he didn't want to defend his title because he's a heel. And he took, the, he took the opportunity to attack Bad when Bad turned his back on him, as any heel worth his salt would do. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, DDP. Yep. Brilliant. Well earned that spot as number one builder. Number two is Ric Flair. Nice. And I've probably used this one before, but again, I was loving that tag match when he was in there. Well, it was, at that point, it was a handicap match, but I was loving <sighs> that. I thought he did a great job in there. I think people are right about Ric Flair, that he's, he's decent, yeah. I can, I can <laughs> yeah. buy that. Yeah, I can buy it. Um, and uh, Ritten's Builder number three is the all-round fantastic in-ring action that's took place on this show. So yeah. I liked all three of the matches on the card. If we include the DDP segment, we'll make it four. Uh, the sustained in-ring quality throughout the show uh, is very commendable. And for that, I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give Eric Bischoff and the boys a, a well done. Yeah, Hats off to them for that. Lovely stuff. 
my first builder. So build number one, this felt like, by Nitro standards in any case, a pretty minimal nonsense show and it was all the better for it as a result. We got two absolutely cracking matches of decent length with minimal cutaways or ad breaks or even too many comms discussing Hogan aside. More of this, please. Build number two, Flair and Arn. In this feud, they've consistently given us great matches without A, giving away everything in one go so there's nowhere to go next, yeah. and, and B, advancing the story so that the next phase makes sense and makes me want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that, actually. Brilliant. And build number three, the right balance. I was demanding it last week, and I think I got it this week, so I have to give credit where it's due. There was ample time given to the matches that matter and that needed it, and the short ones were mercifully short enough and still got across brilliant stuff. You referenced DDP, great example. We didn't need any longer than that. It's exactly what we needed to get them over. Perfect. Love the you know the attack and everything else. Totally made sense. And then the fact that he's he's counted with the pin himself. He's got the yeah. gun. He's firing he's the fired gun. The confetti cannon. Yeah. I know. So did I. Great heel. Great great heel behavior. So Jim, give us your ratings killers. Killer number one is bad promos. So I won't comment on Hogan doing the same thing that he does yeah. every single week because yeah. I commented on it last week and I don't want to be accused of gimmick infringement there. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> and I've got more to say on Sting, his promo momentarily, but the standout bad promo was Kevin Sullivan because oh. what the fuck was going on there? It was, it was one-paced, it was flat, monotonous, bad cartoon, super villain shtick, and yeah, just, just all around piss poor, really. Killer number two is Sting being an idiot. <laughs> but a second week running now we've had Sting on the mic explaining in painstaking detail his thought processes behind his, his you know his, his reason to be partners with Flair his reasons to uh, have Luger and Savage have a match with each other and and both times he sounded really really stupid so, so now he, he trusts he trusts Flair he's not gonna not gonna stab him in the back because of um you know, because he he, he, was, he seemed to be trying hard when he was in his, his handicap yeah. match against... What would you expect him to do? What do you expect him to do, Sting? What do you expect him to do? <laughs> exactly. him to do, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> I yeah, I, I just I just felt like he, he, his, his patter was was uh, yeah, that of a, a moron, is how I've got him pegged here. <laughs> and uh, written to killer number three, I've often found myself with an abundance of killers and an absolute... You know, over, we're overstocked on killers, and uh, and, and I'm, I struggle to pick the one this week. I've had to, I've had to scrape that barrel. I've had to scrape that barrel for killers, and uh, seeing the same Halloween Havoc advert that we've seen several times is is all is all I come up with because because I thought this was a very very good show. So so well done to WCW for that. Lovely stuff. Well, my killer number one comms keep missing key events, especially finishes, and it really diminishes the impact. So case in point, the classic as we discussed at the time. The double A and flying Brian count out really cost them no excuse. Killer number two. In your heavyweight title feud, nobody can do a promo. Giant scuppered by his cartoony, breathy, fee foe fum bullcrap. My tolerance for Hogan is only, you know, avoids being completely zero, thanks to me now looking out every week to see how he's going to bash poor Jimmy Hart. That's the only thing that's just given me a modicum of interest. <laughs> What about his new title, though? His weekly new title? <laughs> That's, yeah, there you go. Now, yeah, he's got me back with that gimmick. I know what it's going to be next week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's going to go, yeah, how many military badges he'll have. <laughs> um, and killer number three, the more I hear about this fucking monster truck match, the more I worry this will end up, like, this will be the Monday Night Wars being over right here, right now. Appropriately, it sounds like it's going to be an absolute car crash of a car crash. And I'm sick <laughs> of hearing about it. 
as they absolutely just del boy the shit out of this pay-per-view umpteen times every fucking 10 seconds. I know they've got to sell it, but come it's on, like lads. The, um, it's like the, the Doc Hendricks segment on, <laughs> oh, it is. on Raw, selling, selling T-shirts. They're doing the same thing, but with yeah. pay-per-view. Who, exactly who can out del boy each other? Exactly. <laughs> So we go to the Civic Auditorium in Grand Rapids, Michigan for WWF Raw. Jim, tell us what happened. Oh, we've got a, we've had a bad start on Raw this week with a very uh, naughty, <laughs> naughty promo. Oh, no. Ahead of the, uh, the big cage match main event. The lights are down. The lights are down in the arena and the mayor of Knox County, Isaac Yankum, DDS, <laughs> he shouts to Bret Hart, who's not there, I might add, that tonight <laughs> in this 15-foot steel cage... I'm going to apply the biggest set of braces to your team. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's and he starts rattling the cage as a sample plays in the background that was saved on the Casio keyboard they used to put it together as generic <laughs> creepy. <laughs> so at this point, I have uh, Googled how long it takes to fit braces, given yes. that uh, Yankum's fitting. He's, he's going to do it. He's going to do it tonight. Yeah. He's going to do it tonight. Yeah. Braces, Google tells me, it's a procedure that takes between one and two hours. So given that these are the biggest braces, I'm going to say we're leaning towards the end. <laughs> the higher end. Spectrum there, the higher end of that spectrum. And yes, yeah, so this could be a very, well, it's going to be an hour longer than normal for a start off. And it's going to be a very boring show with that in mind. Bret Hart follows Isaac Yankum. He's also in the cage. It is almost as if they've shot the same promo. At the same time, the producers, <laughs> they must have carefully, yeah, they must have carefully planned this out so Yanko and Hart didn't run into each other in oh. the recording. That could have been could have been a bit hairy. It must have been. Can you uh, yeah, Hart makes a few uh, yeah, bad oral health-related puns. Yeah, and now Lawler's involved in the same setting. He's outside the cage this time, Lawler, of course, because we know he can't get involved in the no, match and whatever else. We'll, more on that later, of course. Um, <laughs> King tells us Yankum is going to cure the hitman's gingivitis and overbite. So it sounds a bit like, you know, this is going to be a favour for Bret Hart. I was going to say, yeah, there you go. No idea what the WWF health and dental plan was at the time, but if, if it's not covered, then Hart's well in here. Back into the arena. The cage has gone and Triple H is in the ring. Get his, his Savoy lobby music is playing <laughs> and he is spraying perfume. He goes over, sprays some on Vince it and does. King. Who are, uh, who are bringing us into the game. Vince is livid. He tells us it smells like like raid, he says. Bit of an unlikely product plug and <laughs> insecticide. It's only a minor interruption, however, as uh, Vince is straight back hyping the main event. The most grueling match in the WWF, he calls it. He the, does. the cage match, of course, we're talking about, guys. Uh, oh, not not a perfume spraying match? No, no, it's not a perfume spraying <laughs> match. I'm, 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 I'm very excited for this. Oh, yeah. Are you excited for this? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see how tall the cage is after the embarrassment of WCW last week, Jim. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, he was definitely excited for this, and that is Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> yeah. He tells us there's no better place, there's no better place for Isaac Yankton to perform his brand of dentistry than inside <laughs> that cage, and there's no better patient to perform it on than Bret Hart. Well done for flogging that dead horse of a gimmick there, Jerry. Well done, son. <laughs> Uh, Vince takes the time to remind King he better be patient because if he gets involved in the match he knows what will happen he's going to find himself in a cage of his own a tiny little shark cage ready for King 
King says, no big deal, because no one's tough enough to put him in that cage. <laughs> I like that. And it's irrelevant anyway, because Yankum has got it in the bag. Nice. And then some circus music's playing, and a clown is making their way to <laughs> the ring. Doink the clown! A literal clown. <laughs> I'd heard of Doink the clown, but I never, I'd never Have encountered... Have seen Doink I'd never before? encountered any of his wow. work before, so this is a first for me. This is a first for me here. Vince then informs us that Dean Douglas were fined seven and a half grand by a Gorilla Monsoon. Gorilla Monsoon's hit him in the wallet for their... Uh, yeah, Dean Douglas and Mabel, both both mm, hit with Oh, was it Mabel, was yeah, it? Yeah, Mabel, yeah. For their actions last week, yeah. Um, their violent actions, it's cost them. It's cost them a few grand. Uh, Monsoon... Right, can I, just, can I just say, right, it does raise the point that if wrestlers are fined for run-ins, right, if they were fined, as a matter of course, that's like that's the, that's the acknowledged punishment, they'd stop straight away. We could have nipped this in the bud decades ago. <laughs> Well, how much would uh, if if this had been this principle, this policy had been followed throughout Douglas, it'd be brassic, wouldn't he? Because he oh, he's in about five runs. Comes, <laughs> comes out every time. Take his notes. He'd he'd swiftly start taking notes from one of the monitors in the back, wouldn't he? For the financial penalty, pushing fifty grand. I think he'd be pushing fifty <laughs> grand would. just in the time we've been watching. Skin. He would be. Uh, yeah, monsoon. He's uh, fresh from picking up these this fifteen grand from. Uh, Mabel and Douglas. <laughs> He's here tonight to tell us who's going to replace The Undertaker yeah. as Mabel's in-your-house opponent, which Undertaker's now incapacitated following last week's assault. Vince, Vince, he then starts using all this medical jargon when revealing the extent of Taker's ailment. And I don't know about you, Steve, but I felt this was a bit too much like we were in a seminar from, a, from an Ivy League, <laughs> Ivy League school's <laughs> medicine course because Vince, he tells us, and... He enunciates every every oh, yeah, uh, syllable really into it, yo, yeah. Just to this. make sure we understand what has happened to Undertaker, because it is a very very complex your know, medical procedure, as we've said. And Taker, according to Vincent Kennedy McMahon, has got a crushed face. <laughs> I mean, that is all the detail I could possibly stomach. I mean, that is. You know what I mean? I know. Well, imagine, <laughs> imagine got the hospital. What's what's he got, Doc? It's a crushed face. It's a crushed face, everyone. It's a. Cr- Face. What about what? what I know. Specifically, I know. what about the face? Yeah, which which part of his face? Which bone? I know. Very very um, yeah, dumbed it down significantly, and I'll, I'll expect the Undertaker to look significantly significantly different when we see him again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, time. yeah, I have a concave face, so I he will. He'll look, he'll look like a spoon. <laughs> so finally, uh, Vince has finished playing. The Operation board game, and we're back in the ring where, where <laughs> Triple H is he, he's looking at Doink, who is who is doing some, you know, some some classic clownish behaviour, pulling some hankies out of his sleeve or whatever yeah. he's doing, and, and Triple H is looking at him he's, with sheer sheer disdain. Seriously, know, written all over his absolute chops. disgust. It yeah, was great. It was. It's what it deserved. It, wasn't it, it was it It's absolutely superb. Excellent <laughs> from the future game. The match starts starts with a lock up. They break apart, and uh, Hunter Hearst Hemsley laments some of Doink's makeup, which is smudged onto his chest. It Fair enough. Fair enough. Keeping with his gimmick, which he obviously, as we know from a couple of weeks ago, he's really committed to this gimmick. So he's uh, he's, oh, he he's, he's he's brushing that paint off here, <laughs> get that yeah. off me, sort of thing. They lock up again. And this time, Doink drops Helmsley with a hip toss. He then grabs him by the nose. Helmsley is selling this. He's selling yeah, this really he does, well. He does very well indeed. Before taking an open-handed strike from Doink and hits the deck. There's more selling of the nose in the corner before Hunter Helmsley charges at Doink. Doink sees it coming, drops his opponent with a body slam this time. At this point, Vince refers to him as the Doinkster, which reminded me of Todd Pettengill. Where's he gone? Do you think we'll ever see him again? Good question. We will see, we'll see, yeah. Not long after that Doink spell on top, 
ends after too much showboating allows Triple H back. He hits a running clothesline and the clown is down. Triple H hits him with a ton of kicks. He's, he's oh, stomping he away until the yeah. ref intervenes. Yeah. And we've got a big spinning elbow to the solar plexus. And Vince <laughs> is happy to take us to medical school this time. Couldn't possibly <laughs> call it a chest. We have to figure that one out for ourselves. <laughs> Good point. Um, Donning's dropped again. Triple H does his, his curtsy. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's taunt. It's good. Really in the ascendancy here is Hunter Hearst. He then hits a forearm in the corner, whips Doink across the ring, charges at him, but Doink raises a foot to counter and then catches a dazed Triple H with a sidewalk slam. It's nice. Doink then goes for a reverse splash type maneuver, but Helmsley rolls out the way and then drops a running knee straight onto Doink's bunts. And it's a two count for his troubles. He loves the knee stuff, doesn't he? Does, yeah. Knee strikes, running knee strikes, knee drops. It's not a bad match at all. This. No, and I don't understand. Doink. He seems he seems pretty uh, capable to me. So I don't understand why he has to be a clown. Why can't he be a normal wrestler? Because Vince loves cheesy kid gimmicks. Jim is oh. the answer. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's been a cracking match. He seems decent. Vince tells us that Triple H is reeling from Doink's aggressive tactics and that Doink is anything but clowning around, which begs the fucking question. <laughs> Why is he a clown then? Yeah. Why did you make him be a clown? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you make him be a clown? If it clearly wasn't necessary. Even acknowledging it yourself. When we arrive at the finish not long after when Helmsley ducks one of Doink's flying crossbodies from the top rope. He turns around, picks him up and hits a terrible looking pedigree. Yeah, not good at the moment, is it? Because he doesn't do the bounce afterwards. Yeah. Hunter S. Helmsley hits the bad pedigree. Uh, one, two, three. This one's over. And yeah, enjoyed it. Pretty good match. Yeah, absolutely cracking match. Properly enjoyed it. Anything with Triple H in, sign me up. And Doink was far better than expected. Cracking. Following that, we've got this kind of strange comedy segment with some dude called Akushi and uh, Barry Horowitz. Yeah, don't know what this was. Uh, no idea who Akushi is, and they make a gag about baseball, and yeah, on we go. <laughs> Next up, we've got a tag team title match featuring the Smoking Guns. They're defending against PG-13, who I think have done very well to get a tag team title shot based on the fact they beat a job team last week. And that is all. Jim, I have egg all over my face and humble pie all in my stomach because last time these jokers were on, I said, Jim... I can confidently say that this will be the last time you or I see JC Ice or Wolfie D PG-13, and here they are for none other than a tag team title match. I believe you. I believe you. I know. How do you you think I felt? How do you think I felt when I saw him walking out here? One one match away from glory. But they're up against the smoking guns of PG-13, my favourite team. Yeah, same. Of all the teams we've seen so far. I Ditto. Think. Who's your, who's your favourite tag team? you going with the smoking guns? Oh, yeah, Com- uh, Country Mile. Arn and... There's not a lot. No, I was going to say, Arn, Arn and Fly and Brian on this, this episode of Nitro was, were fantastic, but in terms of double team moves, silky stuff, bloody entertaining, crowd popping for them, smoking guns about it, licked. I was thinking you might have been able to make a case for um, Harlem Heat, but don't you say the Blue Bloods? You absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw them, did we? We never exactly. saw them. We couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking you might have been able to make a case for Harlem Heat, but they were involved Fucking in that absolute travesty. Bastards, they? and they lost to the American males. Well, so. well, well, good after depriving us <laughs> of seeing the fucking Blue Bloods. I haven't seen. I haven't been back since. I haven't seen Regal. We <laughs> won an only chance, era. apparently. What did they do with Regal? <laughs> I know. <laughs> 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 fucking gutted one day back on Raw though uh, Vince, Vince has learned the names of PG-13 this week, I know which is nice of him I know 
they're getting a lot of love. They're getting a lot of love for a fly-by-night outfit who <laughs> apparently are only here for one week. <laughs> Bit of a hiatus from the intros because the interim WWF president, Gorilla Monsoon, he's on hand to drop some news about whom he has selected to replace The Undertaker on the pay-per-view this weekend. Yeah. You want to know the opponent this? I do, of course do, you do. Of course. It's Yokozuna, none other than. And straight away I'm panicking now because I remember this from the uh, the tag team match with uh, Yokozuna and Owen Hart versus... What was it, Mabel and... Sir Mo. Mabel and Sir yeah. Mo, of course it was. Yeah, um, yeah we had a glimpse of, of how bad this pay-per-view <laughs> match is going to be. We did. That, one when, uh, that was awful. Those two got in the ring, Yoko and Mabel. Um, oh. Vince loves putting two freakishly large men together, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. Big lads rule all. Seen them have shit matches. I know, terrible. It's um, going to be awful. Anyway, we're back in the... The matter at hand, of course, the tag team titles. This match starts with Billy Gunn. He's in the ring with Wolfie D. Gunn dominates the early exchanges. He forces Wolfie D back in the corner. Wolfie tries to hip-toss his way out of the predicament, but Gunn is just too big, and this makes... Me, he's like twice the size, isn't he? He does look yeah, daft. Yeah, he's like a child trying <laughs> to uh, throw a man around. Gunn gets fed up with this kind of arsing about from Wolfie D and he just kind of gives him his own hip toss, flings him halfway across the ring. Wolfie then tags and goes to set Gunn off running the ropes, but Gunn reverses and ultimately sends Wolfie crashing into his partner, J.C. Ice. It then prompts McMahon to question the legitimacy of the claim that PG-13 are tag team specialists. And you know what, Vince? I think that's very, very fair. And Bart Gunn's in a ring now and he absolutely murders <laughs> J.C. Ice with a clothesline. <laughs> Yeah, he fully removed that man's head from his shoulders, clean off one blow. There's this really nice moment where JC Ice is running the ropes. There's an outrageous counter where Bart's kind of bent over in that position where it always costs the person who bends yeah, over. Yeah, the back, the back body drop tee up that yep. telegraphs it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crackers. Yeah, it always costs yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And Bart's there, and lo and behold, this, this, this should have cost him as well because <laughs> uh, JC Ice sees it coming. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a slick as you like flip straight over yeah. Bart Gunn looks great, Doesn't lands it? on his feet, and then now he's got the other side of him. Bart Gunn's uh, facing the wrong way. He could really capitalise on this here, but instead of doing something that any normal wrestler in a situation like this would do, he starts to dance. Yeah. Bart Gunn just turns around and murders him again with another clothesline. <laughs> uh, Wolfie then tries to attack Bart from behind. He gets flattened as well, and then JC Ice ends up being effortlessly shoulder-pressed by Bart, who hurls him into Wolfie D. I thought this again looked fantastic. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. But he picks him up. It was lifting a primary school kid. It was that easy, wasn't <laughs> it, for him? It was that easy for him. Yeah, barely thinking. The tag teams are absolutely dominating these two jokers here. At this point, though, the heels, they crank up the healiness a bit, level the playing field somewhat with a bit of a skullduggery. Billy Gunn's running the ropes and uh, the partner on the outside. He drops to the floor, grabs Billy's heels, tries to trip him up. Billy then turns infuriated while Billy is distracted. The legal man gives him a bit of a flying knee to the back and Billy's on the outside. Then... We've got a bit of a Benny Hill sketch unfolds before our <laughs> we very eyes. Absolutely do. So, <laughs> so the ref's distracted while I can't remember which partner it was on the outside starts working. I don't think over. it matters. Not not yeah. to quote Vince too much, but uh, these guys are as interchangeable as they come. Yeah, well, PG, one of the PG thirteen members <laughs> is working over. One or three. Really good on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> so while Billy's getting beaten up on the one side of the ring, Bart comes steaming round. Like a big angry rhino, he chases away the uh, he chases away the the perpetrating PG thirteen member again, distracting the ref. Though the ref's telling him to get back where he needs to be, and in, in doing so, this allows the other PG thirteen member to uh, the not the one who's not being chased to run around the other side and start working 
but Billy Gunn again. He then gets chased off by Batgirl, which allows the other <laughs> member to come in. And he starts working, but again, it's all getting a bit confused. Full cartoon comedy, comedy. In it, yeah. The challengers then get a two-count after an elbow drop on Billy, and we've got another stupid spot after that, where this time Jesse Ice is in the ring. He goes for a drop kick on the running Billy. Billy drops the anchor, and this allows Jesse Ice to just smash himself onto the mat harmlessly. Billy then grabs his legs, looks like he's getting ready for a slingshot. He's going to throw JCI across the ring. The big issue with this, though, is that Wolfie D has inexplicably walked to the middle of the apron where he has no reason to be, and he starts pretending to shout at somebody yeah, in the crowd. It's ludicrous. Yeah, Billy does the slingshot, and the two the two heels clash into each other once again. Not only was this really shit and contrived, but it's the third time they've had these two colliding within the same match, so uh, very repetitive. Yeah. And we, we, we established the joke artists very, very early. When they came to the ring with the hubcaps and everything else, we established they were joke artists. We didn't need to have these you know, constant repeated spots. Billy then, on his knees, cra- walks, crawls, whatever you want to say, he goes over the tag, creating absolutely no sense of urgency or desperation whatsoever. And JC Ice is nowhere near stopping him either. Bart comes into the ring, he flattens PG-13 with clotheslines, body slams and drop kicks. He then gets JC up for a sidewalk slam. Billy Gunn tagged in, comes off the top rope with a leg drop. Oh, Fantastic what double, a team, double move. team move. That is the game, sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> it was another another ridiculous moment um, where where Billy's getting the pin, Billy's got the cover. Wolfie D is is he's made to look like the biggest clown in wrestling and bear in mind we've just had someone in the preceding match who literally was a clown. Um, <laughs> As Wolfie D enters the ring, Bart goes to cut him off, but Wolfie D falls over the second rope. I missed that. He <laughs> trips the second rope. I don't know if what? it was an intentional trip, but that's what it looked like. It looked like it was, like, you know, he's tripped oh over the rope. Oh, my God. He hits the deck. Bart kind of shrugs his shoulders and just walks away. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> the ref counts the free. Wow. I totally missed that. Yeah, blimey, what a pair of joke artists. I'm glad that's over. I think now, I think now might be us. Our hands might be washed. That's PG-13 done and Well, I'm predicting nothing after last time. I'm not. I've <laughs> <laughs> been careful what I say, but I think that's surely it. Vince tells us that the smoking guns are going to defend their titles at In Your House against the friends turned enemies turned friends again, Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid. We move on to Doc Hendricks interviewing Jim Cornette and the British Bulldog as on a segment from the Tour de Force, as we spoke about last week. The New York-based World Tour, Jim. The New York-based... World Tour, the northeast of America World Tour. <laughs> we get a quick recap of the fact that uh, British Bulldog pinned Diesel. Cornet is absolutely top drawer again. He's explained everything. Everything's got a purpose. Everything's got a reason. Yeah, great. Bulldog gets a lot of heat when he comes on the mic too. It does, yeah. Crowd massive boo for him, yeah. Booing him like mad, weren't they? And then we move on to another plug. This time it's Ahmed Johnson. He gives a he gives a promo on honor. Seems to be the topic mm. of the day for Ahmed. He, he's passionate. It's a spirited promo. Yeah. He seems a decent talker. Uh, I don't know much about Ahmed Johnson myself, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him in action soon. And he is jacked. He is a <laughs> big lad. I mean, he's gonna. No wonder Vince likes him. He's massive. Back to the ring, and it's the Dirty Dean, Dean Douglas, seven and a half grand light from last week. <laughs> He's, uh, he's walking slowly to the ring with a big grin on his face. He doesn't seem particularly perturbed. Uh, he's almost at the ring when we recap his brutal beating of Shawn Michaels from the previous week. But King informs us that Douglas is worried about whether Shawn Michaels is going to show up to defend his Intercontinental title against him at the pay-per-view this weekend. He's going to miss his title shot. Oh, dear. Well, he, he might do if uh, if Michaels is not uh, doesn't not signed off by the 
By the medical team. Oh, dear Vince starts telling us what's happened. I don't know if he's uh, he's rang up the WCW salacious gossip hotline. But <laughs> Mean Gene, what's happened? <laughs> King is quickly, Mean Gene. It's one dollar forty nine a minute. <laughs> quickly. <laughs> Time's time here, Gene. Get on with it. King is he, he's so giddy he's so giddy he wants to tell us what's happened <laughs> yeah. to Shawn Michaels he he's trying to interrupt Vince Vince has given us the news Vince King wants to know I want to tell him I want to tell him yeah, it's him. great isn't it from King yeah Vince shuts him down he tells us that Michaels beaten up by 10 thugs in a car park in an unprovoked attack wow 10 10, 10 of them thugs he'd be dead surely mm. It seems like I've seen the Sopranos, Jim. There's like two of them, and it's it's like it's full. It could be really, really bad. Really yeah. bad. I've <laughs> seen it. <laughs> uh, King says Vince's version is a lot of baloney. He informs us that Michaels was was given it big portions in a nightclub, and from that he was beaten up. Bloody hell! Finishing by telling us by reinforcing yeah. that that's what really happened. Blimey. Vince flatly denies it and goes into the minutiae of the attack attack. All the while, of course, there's a wrestling match going on in the background. I know, I know. <laughs> no, no attention paid whatsoever to what is happening within the squared circle. No. It's picture in picture. We're not even it is, it is. It's, it's terrible. Um, yeah, Straining my eyes are you trying to find out what's going on? <laughs> Vince tells us uh, Michaels was left unconscious uh, and the big and are looking into the incident. <laughs> We're over a minute now into the match before Douglas is referenced at all. And that is to recap what happened last week. Once again, of course, involving Shawn Michaels. And then almost instantly on the back of this recap, we've got HPK on the phone. Like, oh, they're doing the phone thing again. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, my God. We had it with Brett. It didn't work. We've got it with Shawn. Let's find out. Does it work? Tell us, Jim. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> it does not work. So HBK, he's, uh, he's, he's moaning, he's groaning about how hard it is being me. It's, it's really hard being me. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> Everyone's out to get me. Poor old HBK. And we get to the end of his really long and boring sob story. Douglas wins the match, by the way, uh, while the call's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely in the background. And then, and he starts, he starts like shouting down the camera lens, the sort of the camera that's at ringside and the... And we can't tell what he's saying. We can't. We can't hear him because we've got Sean on the on the blower, and I, I can't lip read. So we're we're left none the wiser. It's like, oh, this is this is buried the lad. It has. It has. And uh, yeah, Michael's on the phone. He informs us he'll be at in your house where everyone will in there in his words. So he rem- remember my name and think, wow, he's something else. <laughs> well, I'm sure they will, Sean. Yeah. Uh, Vince says Michael deserves credit for simply showing up at the pay per view, but there's not a word mentioned if he's going to actually have a wrestling match or not. And he hasn't done it yet, so let's not be giving him credit for that yet, Vince. Yeah, exactly. I suppose you're right. Let's not jump ahead. We know what can happen there, don't we? Mm. PG-13, prime example. Blue Bloods, primer example. <laughs> Fuckers. Not till they're in the ring, will I believe <laughs> yeah, exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. No chickens will be counted <laughs> until I see Regal with a knuckle duster on. <laughs> We're backstage again from the ring, the backstage where we've got our good friend Doc Hendricks, and he's yet again selling. Where is he? Here? Where is he? He's made his own studio with his own picture on the wall behind. Mural, his own mural. Thought Jimmy Hart was bad enough with the jacket. <laughs> he's got his own fucking artwork. There's a photo on QVC sketch this week. He is full Del Boy. I think this was one of the most egregious of his um, <laughs> his terrible attempts to shill shit stuff. I'm going to break this down for us because I think I think there needs to be more said about it. Um, so we, so we start off with 
a grotesquely unconnected segue where he's, he's like, again, I don't know, it must be exam time in America or something because the doc begins oh, with yeah, studying SAT. for your SATs. Yeah. Stressed? Yeah. I failed my SATs. No, nobody asked, Doc. Grade. Nobody asked. <laughs> Did you, Doc? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he then says, I didn't get a passing grade. But if you want a passing grade in being cool. <laughs> oh, God. Like Big Daddy Cool Diesel or the sexy boy Shawn Michaels. Well, this is what you need. Blimey. And what is it that you need? Let me tell you. It's, it's a two dudes with attitudes t-shirt. It's a pic of said two dudes on the front, which Doc Hendricks then turns. He turns to reveal in his words some special writing I, on the back. It's not special writing. It's a, it's a, it's a block font. It's writing. It's j- it's exactly. Writing. It's not special. It's not glow in the dark. It doesn't flip in move it's it's writing it's a, he doesn't even tell us what the writing is he just calls it special writing, <laughs> like special fried rice and then <laughs> and then like his special then, vhs from last fucking few weeks <laughs> honestly don't worry that's coming he then he then fobs us off with the sizing of the t-shirt did you get did you get, this, did you get what the size of the t-shirt was one size fits most it's criminal isn't it <laughs> Size fits most. Criminal. What does that mean? It's not condoms, Doc. And then <laughs> set you back $20 for this heap of garbage. And then before he goes, of course, don't you worry about it, Steve. If you purchase one of these T-shirts, you will also be furnished with a classic wrestling VHS. Oh, there it is. The absolute fucking... What the hell is on this classic wrestling VHS? Greco-Roman? What Professional wrestling? Do we, is it confirmed? Nobody knows. <laughs> Fucking ludicrous. Up in the air, much like the source of the uh, the special writing on the back of the T-shirt. But anyway, <laughs> we're back at ringside where... Hang on a second. Is that the cage from Night Raw last week? No, not quite. It's the cage they're going to put King in if he interferes. <laughs> Wonder where that <laughs> was going. The cage match. <laughs> so as the cage has been... Uh, sorry, the shark cage, the WCW shark cage has been constructed, <laughs> King adds yet more certainty that he will be going in it by telling us, by dropping us the hint that he is afraid of heights. He is. So now if, I'm, if, if I'm king, if I'm king, the last thing I'm doing is, the last thing I'm doing is getting the cage and getting strung up from a height above this other cage. So the last thing I'm going to do is interfere in a match. Simple as. Absolutely. I know what I have to do before you go in the cage. So I'm going to do it. Did you hear well the way he said when he said he was acrophobic? He also said, I have been since I was a little prince. <laughs> that yeah, got me. Yeah, that, that was good. great. They go on to briefly discuss the the pay per view card for the weekend. The standout moment of which being King agreeing with me that Marty Jannetty versus Goldust is going to be amazing. Oh yeah. It does confuse me somewhat though when King says that it's Jannetty's return to the WWF because this I was got me thinking didn't he return about two weeks ago? And yeah, what I, an I thought absolutely that absolutely glorious performance <laughs> and victory over Skip. From that, we cut away to a Goldust promo. Very strange, but very good. Captivating stuff. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Creepy, class. Yeah, creepy, creepy. Shot like an old style movie. Does a good yeah. job of building interest in Goldust's Does. forthcoming debut, which I'm very excited for. Of course, my genetics in the match. Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> Uh, it would be a little bit better, I think, if Vince wasn't all the while bludgeoning us with the fact that Goldust's bizarre. Bizarre, like, every time he's bizarre. We know, we, we, I'll decide what's bizarre, Vince, and just let me... see let me Vince, listen. he's painted himself gold. Exactly. That's a man painted himself gold. We can see he's bizarre. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's bizarre. Who? The gold one! <laughs> 
And then from one superb promo to another, because yeah. here comes Paul Bearer. Oh, blissful. We get a big recap of Undertaker getting beaten up, how he incurred the, the crushed face, after all, of um, you getting beaten up by Mabel and Yoko Zuna last week, dropping leg drop after leg drop after leg drop on the dead man. Cuts to Bearer, who's got a, we've got a close-up of Bearer's face. He's clearly upset doing one of the better impressions of a, of a walrus I've ever heard. There's <laughs> an unbelievable pitch on this man's voice. It is amazing. Even better facials. And big Paul Bearer, he tells us, he tells us Taker's got a crushed boat race. He may never look the same again. They've clearly got low expectations of uh, his plastic surgery. <laughs> Undertaker, though, don't worry. Do not worry, because Undertaker's going to be back very soon, and he's going to crush the souls of Yoko yeah. and Mabel. Yeah, fantastic promo. I like how they're building the angle, too, as well, because you know no one tried to murder the Undertaker. No one tried to burn his house down or, <laughs> or his funeral parlour. <laughs> It's just the heels have gone too far in their, their attack yeah, and exactly. now they're going to pay the price and I thought that was... Perfect. You know. Brilliant. And from that, uh, we're back to ringside because here comes the cage match, the main event, what we've all been waiting for. This is it. Here comes Bret Hart. Absolutely love. Love this intro. Yeah, quality great, stuff. Gives his gags away to a fan. The ref locks him in the cage and we're ready to go. Good, right? Set. Locked cage. Thank you. This is correct. Cages should be locked. You shouldn't be able to walk out of the door. This is correct. This is correct stuff. The cage is locked, as you say. It's one of the old school blue cages really like this. Again, I haven't seen... I think by the time I got into got into Raw, the blue cage had been had been phased out. When I was a, when I was yeah, a young, the blue yeah. cage had been replaced by this point, decommissioned, out of pasture. Um, this is reminiscent of the old uh, WWF Attitude games on yeah. PS1 yeah. where a guy would climb out at a fucking snail's pace and you'd be bashing triangle or whatever it was r1 or whatever painstaking stuff but very cool to see the cage in action um vince lets us know that the ref has got a key as we see a close-up of the ref lock in the cage I feel <sighs> this, this didn't need to be said vince you hit us over the head with obvious things I of know. course he's got a key we can see him locking the cage exactly yank him he starts out he's clubbing brett across the back he's tossing him around the ring and throwing more punches after that yank him is starting out in charge King informs us he told Yankum not to get out of the cage too quickly as he wants this match to be the match he's dubbed Adventures in Dentures to last quite a long time. I actually quite like the I name Adventures in Dentures. I know, I know, I for it. That was decent. I've been slagging these dentist puns for a while. I know, but, but yeah, that one was, got me as well. This was strong. And yeah, as part of the, as part of the, the premise that, that King's concocted, Yankum must knock out all of Brett's teeth so that he needs dentures like his parents. <laughs> Just. <laughs> and then I'm thinking if Yankum's the one who does this maybe he's the one who gets to supply the dentures and now it fits in with a good ah, business plan there well. you go this is all it's a, it's a, it's a racket <laughs> yeah, it could well be <laughs> and that might then explain why he got into wrestling as a dentist there it is you going see going back for weeks and weeks here that makes perfect sense he can smash people's out teeth there. out and then charge him way over the odds to fix it yeah, of course way <laughs> over the odds highly inflated prices <laughs> Back in the cage, though, Hart is building a comeback. He hits a Manhattan drop, which Yankum sells bizarrely by grabbing his abdomen and not his uh, nutbag, yeah. which is the wrong place to, to, you know, the Manhattan drop has not affected your abdomen. Hart's well on top at this point. He hits a big body slam that you can see requires a lot of effort to, to, to hoist the big man up there. He's ginormous, in he, Yankum? 
Uh, it's not long after this body slam that we get the first of many identical honestly, attempts honestly. to escape the cage. And how how heelish or, or how non-facey is this of heart? How weak does he look by making? It... I was just about to ask you this. What did, what was your what were your thoughts on this? Total coward. And King calls him out on it and says, "Look at this coward!" As soon as he starts, and he does, he makes an instant break for it, straight trying to scamper up the cage. It looks shite. Yeah, the concept of escaping the cage implies you don't want to be in there with the person you want to get away from. You're scared of exactly. them. This is going to be too much torture for me, so I've got to get out of this cage as quickly as I can. Exactly. No, the no. only time a babyface would do it is if he's, you kick the shit out of him and it's part of some kind of procession, like, right, I'm just going to walk out of here now. That guy's yeah. clearly incapacitated. I'm going to walk out of here and, you know, do the victory lap. But to be running out so soon, I thought, was uh, yeah, kind of counterintuitive. Um, but anyway, Hartle on the way out. Yank grabs him, pulls him back in and proceeds to take control. Then what's this? Yankum's making a run for it now. Yankum's going for the going for the exit door. King's already told him. King's briefed him. Stay in there as long as you can. <laughs> I know. He's ignoring all And wasn't all he going to apply the biggest set of braces to Hart's teeth earlier? Yes, he was. Lest we forget, he's now wanting out the cage after three or four minutes. He's <sighs> had enough. Yankum's height means that he can reach right at the top of the cage straight away so that actually it leads to quite decent spots where, well, we've seen the same spot 15 times, but it means that Brett can actually get further over and almost out and adds genuine peril, which is, I thought, the only sort of saving grace of these multiple repeated spots. Yeah, there's one point where um, Brett's leg is like perpendicular across the, um, you know, the, the rail, the top of the cage. Yeah, yeah. And Yankum just reaches up and <laughs> grabs him with his feet still on the floor. Yeah. Fuck me, this guy's tall. It, I know. Uh, yeah, we have, we have umpteen back and forth, people trying to escape the cage, being foiled. It's really starting to get it's starting to get annoyed at this point. Yeah. Um, stopping, starting, stopping, starting. We know no one's going to escape the cage, especially before King's in the WCW cage. Yeah. After one of Yankum's foiled escape attempts, Hart stops him, lays in a ton of kicks, stomping him on the floor. He then turns to the ref, asks the ref to open the door for him. And what's this? The ref's key doesn't work. <laughs> the ref's key's not working. Lawler's is looking a bit crafty at this point. What's, what's he done? What's, what have you done, Lawler? What have you done, Lawler? Vince asks him. Where did you get that look? <laughs> I mean, we guess and Vince is pointing with his little finger. How weird's that? But anyway, King, he switched the locks on the cage door. Would you believe it? So Vince did need to tell us the ref had a key because <laughs> yeah. it was integral all along. The ref had a key, but not the key. He didn't have the key. No, King's got the real key. He fooled us all, didn't he? And but does this not count as interference? <laughs> Good point. I, I would say he's interfered here. Changed yeah, the, that... the lock or the key or whatever it was. And I'm sorry, right? But I mean, I know I do a lot of splitting hairs on here, and it's, it is. But this was just ludicrous. The return of the hair splitter, the nitpicker. Yeah, he's, he's coming back for this. He, he can't. <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. You know, a, a seasoned nitpicker cannot sit idly by <laughs> while this is going on. Um, we've saw the ref lock the cage. Yeah. So the key works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. If it could lock the cage, yeah. it could open it. So unless King, unless King is Dynamo in his spare time, unless King is Darren Brown <laughs> and he's had that key out of his pocket yeah. through telekinesis and swapped it with his own key, yeah. again, through telekinesis, mm-hmm. I'm not having this. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> it's outrageous. <laughs> so obviously with the lock not working, the ref can't open the door, which allows Yankum back into the game. He then, Dex Bret Hart, is in control. We cut to a break. Uh, back from the break, Yank, he gives Brett a big boot in the head and tries to escape himself. He's going over the top this time because he knows the door's now un... You know, it can't be opened. The door's out of action. Guess what happens to Yanko in this uh, escape attempt? Tell me, Jim. He's foiled. 
Oh, not again. He's <laughs> cut short. You wouldn't believe it. He's, cut, he's foiled again. Uh, Hart this time, he tosses Yankum off the top rope. It's a big bump from Yankum. It is, yeah. And Hart then hits a flying clothesline. It's not long now before the sharpshooter is locked in. As soon as it is, almost instantly, Yankum's tapping. And he's tapping again. He's tapping for ages. Tapping like Morse code. And I thought at this point, you're making him look like a pussy. Yeah. Really, 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 really killed him off. He didn't need to be. You're making him look like a yeah. complete fucking pussy here. Like, Hart had a miles harder time a couple of weeks ago beating John Pierre Lafitte. John Pierre Lafitte dominated him. Yeah. Here, Brett has been on the offense for the majority of the match. Yankum's tried to escape the cage at least three times, and he's tapped instantly and for ages from being the sharpshooter. So, I mean, yeah. At this point, this is, uh, I, I presume, this is wounded. This is, this is damaged um, <laughs> Yankum enough. To allow Hart to try to make an escape for the cage. And this, this is kind of like the, the victory procession spot that I was talking about yeah, earlier. Where, yeah. where yeah, the, the, the heel's done, right, I'm going, I'm climbing up this cage and I'm going to slowly make my way out. Lawler senses the danger and he knows he's afraid of heights and he knows he's going to go in that WCW cage, but he just can't help himself. And he dashes out of his seat, scales the cage, rapid, he's buffy straight up there like Spider-Man. Gives Brett a few shots and Brett is back in the cage. He's fallen back in. Monsoon's out marching down. Vince is going hackers on on Corey. Put him in that cage. Put Lawler in that cage. It's where he belongs. <laughs> no, he's going to work with him next week. <laughs> yeah, the refs are trying to get Lawler down from the cage. He's climbed up, but he won't comply. Stay Fair enough. There. You wouldn't. You wouldn't, would you? Fred Heights, though. Remember, <laughs> Fred Heights. <laughs> they take him long to get up there. Yeah, Brett. Then he's going to help out. He's going to help the refs. Brett scares the cage himself. Bangs. Jerry the King Lawler knocks him down and allows the refs, like a horde of stripey umpalumpers, to carry him <laughs> off into that WCW cage and lock the door where he'll be hoisted above the ring. Did you see the two that did it? The Hebner brothers. Were the yeah, ones. identical. Yeah, I we had seen them. So the cage is hoisted, and at this point, everything becomes all about King yeah. in the shark cage. Uh, he's got a mouthpiece in there, so we can hear from him up there. He's pleading for uh, he's pleading for whale on uh, mercy. Uh, earpiece, Jim. Oh, I do apologise. I'm not as a, I'm new to this this uh, broadcasting <laughs> game. Everybody, <laughs> an earpiece. King puts his earpiece in <laughs> and begins pleading for whale on mercy. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> Back in the ring, Yankum is now in the ascendancy on Brett until Brett reverses some kind of powerbomb build-up into another and another failed escape ensues we cut the king and king's got juice he's in the wcw cage he's got juice in there. he's got a nosebleed did you hear just prior to this just prior to him actually getting a nosebleed he was saying he's obviously got you know a blood packet or something up there because vince absolutely corpses as lawless says mcmahon i'm gonna get a nosebleed and vince laughs as he does it and then <laughs> then he gets it fucking brilliant uh, all the while Hart is now assumed controlling the ring lawler he's constantly begging for a reprieve and Hart sets up yet another escape attempt following the sidewalk slam. He gets fully out of the cage this time now. He, he's just, all he's going to do is drop down when we're almost seemingly out of nowhere. Here comes Yankum, grabs Hart by the hair and pulls him back in. This was, this was the, by far and away, the only interesting um, escape spot where, where there was a sense of genuine, you know, that he might actually do it here. And, yeah. and Yankum does very well. He does. Hart is then reined in by Yankum, who hits a... It's a DDS. It's, it's his finisher, the DDS, and then makes his own way to the exit. Brett is flat out from the DDS. He's laid out. He's motionless. There's nothing. Hart is done. There's nothing he can do here. Then all of a sudden, he's fully recovered. 
There's no ill effects, and he's pulling Yanker back into the ring. Full Popeye oh, stuff on it. Full Popeye stuff. Hart's in the driver's seat again. He reverses an Irish whip. Brett this time makes a collision from the opposing turnbuckle. Look fantastic yeah. as he collides chest first. Cracking. Probably one of the high points of the match. And we got a, we got a wide shot of this, didn't we? So you can see it from distance, and the, the whole ring shakes as he does it. It's yeah. fucking massive. Yeah, he clattered it, didn't he? This is when Lawler brings out the real key. The real key to the door that Lawler somehow had, even though we saw the ref lock it with another key that apparently only locks it and not opens it, but we won't go down <laughs> there again. Um, <laughs> Lawler obeys the real key and he gives it to Yankum. So it's kind of worked out well that, that King was in a cage above the ring here. Just drop this in there. <laughs> Master plan. He drops plan. it in for Yankum. <laughs> it was all part of the plan, yeah. <laughs> Yankum goes for the door. The ref unlocks the chains with the real key now. So as this is happening, Hart interrupts the, the, the unlocking decks Yankum and then hoys the key into the crowd which seems pointless because the lock's already open anyway yeah a little souvenir for someone I guess <laughs> very if true. nothing else Hart is a backbreaker a flying elbow he's going for the escape and at last at long last he's escaped the cage he's up he's over it's all done Hart's the winner praise be King's asking to get down Vince he's having none of it Vince <laughs> having absolutely like none <laughs> You know, stayed up there, King. We then go to a break. King is selling. He's afraid of heights. He needs to get out. Get me down. Get me down. But Vince tells him, it's a, it's sorry. It's a no-go. And then we pan to a very sorry wide shot of the arena, which is now all but empty. Everyone is rushing to beat the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all well and truly over the idea of King being in this WCW cage. Uh, we sign off with a gleeful Vincent Kennedy McMahon grinning from ear to ear as he plugs in your house at the weekend. And we're out. So on to our raw builders and killers. I'll kick us off. So my builder number one, Triple H. He reminds me of Taker in that he wrestles like his character should do. And similarly, some of the moveset, but also how slick and powerful it reminds me of Arn Anderson. A bit of the combination of the two there. Lovely good stuff. Combo. Good combo. Well, well, very good combo. And lovely stuff. More of Triple H, please. And I suspect we might just get some, Jim. Builder number two, Jerry Lawler again. He's just so entertaining and properly made me chuckle a few times. Cartoony, yes, but so engaging and so switched on to what's going on. And actually, he made some of the duller bits of the cage match far more entertaining than they had any right to be and builder number three gold dust promo genuinely new genuinely different doesn't sound like it's aimed at kids more of this please jim what were your raw ratings builders builder number one the opposite to nitro we've got great promos so gold dust paul bearer corny again yeah uh, the king the all in there Oratory keep this week and uh, <laughs> splendid mic skills that, that fully captivated myself. Builder number two is the King's selling. So again, the logic was annoying me and I didn't like the idea itself, but King was undoubtedly the right man. If you're going to put anyone in that WCW cage, they definitely pick the right guy. Yeah. Uh, Builder number three is Hunter Hearst Empty versus Doink. Mm. So first time I've seen Doink, Shamey's... Such a big joke because he seemed he seemed pretty handy to me, and the future game in in uh, two matches and enjoyed both and yeah yeah I think they've I think they've really got something with this kid. <laughs> I think you might just be right. Over to the ratings killers. My killer number one, 
The Dean Douglas squash match. It was pretty drab. We spent the entire time on the phone to HBK and have most of the match in picture-in-picture. Bloody hell. Killer number two, the cage match. This was disappointing. Made Brett look weak, trying to escape quickly and early and asking for the door to be unlocked. Just made him look crap. Uh, The pacing felt wrong too. I think we needed more of like a normal match first. We just went straight into leave and grab and leave and grab and and then it just fell flat. Once we'd had King up in the cage, it was flat as a pancake in terms of the in-ring action after that. Which leads me to killer number three. I think the reason we didn't get that that longer normal match in the cage is because Yankum seems super green. He looks pretty clumsy a lot of the time. He's a rough diamond here, I think is probably the nice way to say. He's got but I think he definitely needs, you know, a fair bit of polishing before he's going toe to toe with the likes of Hart in a main event. Jim, what were your ratings killers? Uh, we start with repetition in the cage match. So there's too many of those escape spots. It was it was yeah. move, climb. Foil, repeat. Throughout, <laughs> how many times did that happen? Move, climb, foil, repeat. Uh, yeah, by and large, didn't make much sense either with them both trying to escape because neither wrestler, given their, as you've said, Hart's position as one of the top babyfaces on the roster and, and Yankum meant to be, you know, this monster heel, neither of those would be keen to escape, like, you know, unless under specific circumstances, which weren't evident. Killer number two, uh, the HBK phone call. We had it a few weeks ago with Hart rigging in during another feet squash match, and we've got exactly the same thing here. Yeah. It was crap then, it was crap now. Yeah. Uh, killer number three is the, it was the tag title match, actually. Um, I like smoking uh, yeah. guns, as, as I have been yeah. all too eager to say throughout um, these episodes we've recorded, but yeah, too much bad comedy this time. PG-13 had no business being there. <laughs> and yeah, and all them spots where they're crashing into each other and everything. Again, a lot of repetition on this show, and it, it was not... Um, a good thing. So yeah, that's that's my killers. Now it's time for the big reveal, the point of the pod, the tenterhook hanger, the hallowed golden envelope that will tell us which show went over in the Nielsen ratings on this day in 1995. But first, which show did we think was best? I'll go first, Jim. Easy one for me this week. I much preferred WCW. Country Mile, hands down, easy that one. This one I am putting straight in the WCW pigeonhole for my pick this week. What about you? For the quality of wrestling, the variety on show, the, the inspired decision to give other wrestlers some attention aside from the one <laughs> everyone is bored to death with. <laughs> absolutely, in no doubt this week, WCW Nitro was the best of the programmes. And although our listeners can't see this, I am taking my hat off in salutation to Eric Bischoff and the boys and applauding their efforts. Bravo. <laughs> nice. Let's recap the scores. We are currently after a double draw. A draw two weeks running. A draw rollover. The scores remain 2-1 to WWF Raw. Let's see if Eric Bischoff's WCW Monday Nitro can claw one back. Here it is, Jim. The Golden Envelope. Raw, 2.6. Nitro, 2.2. Raw has taken it. I know. What a travesty. What a miscarriage of justice. 
How the fuck do these ratings work? How's that happened? They've been robbed there. They've been robbed. Bish and the boys have been robbed. Absolutely robbed. Well, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at TMNScores. And please do like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores.